and welcome to Sticky from the Inside, the employee engagement podcast that looks at how to build stickier, competition-smashing, consistently successful organisations from the inside out. I'm your host, Andy Gorham, and I'm on a mission to help more businesses turn the lights on behind the eyes of their employees, light the fires within them, and create tons more success for everyone. This podcast is for all those who believe that's something worth going after and would like a little help and guidance in achieving that. Each episode, we dive into the topics that can help create what I call stickier businesses, the sort of businesses where people thrive and love to work and where more customers stay with you and recommend you to others because they love what you do and why you do it. So if you want to take the tricky out of being sticky, listen on. Okay then, today's topic might feel a little left field, but bear with me. This podcast is here to help people get a better or get better understanding what it takes to build more engaging places to work that smash the competition and hold on to more of their top talent. But sometimes things go wrong. So wrong, in fact, that communication, the backbone of engagement, breaks down completely. And you have to bring in someone to get people talking again and find solutions. That person is a mediator. Now, usually this is seen as the last chance saloon for both parties. But my guest today sees it very differently. He thinks such situations can be the catalyst for healthy, productive and meaningful go-forward relationships and can help build more engaged workforces. Bang on message for this podcast then. So Pete Colby is the owner of Pragmatism, and if ever there was a Ron Seal name for a company, there is one, and he specializes in effective mediation, and I'm delighted he's here with me today to explore this engagement-related topic. Hey, Pete, how are you doing? I'm really good, Andy. How are you? I'm all right, mate. Welcome welcome to Sticky Studios. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you very much for inviting me. I feel very, very honoured. Hey, I don't know about that, mate. Uh, I, I'm I'm the honoured one here. So we are going to talk about mediation, right? That's that's yeah. that's you. That's your bread and butter, which some people might think is a bit of a weird thing to be talking about on a positive workplace culture and engagement based podcast. But not a bit of it, mate. Right? You see, you see, this is intrinsically linked to engagement, right? I I think they're absolutely um, hand in glove with each other. It's, um, you know, a lot of people say to me, how do you do what you do? Because it's such a negative thing. I see it completely the opposite way. It's such a positive thing because nine times out of 10, at least nine times out of 10, the result is a really positive outcome. And, And when you start to talk about root cause things, which I'm sure we'll get onto, it's always really positive. It's cultural change, etc. It's not just a, it's not just a dispute. It's an opportunity, in my view. One hundred percent. And we're gonna, we are gonna dig into that. So, just for the benefit of the listeners, before we kind of get going, do you just give us um, a little bit about about you and about pragmatism and the sort of things that you sort of help businesses and people with on a daily basis? Okay, um, a little bit about me. I'll keep it short because I am knocking on a bit. I'm, I'm 52 <laughs> this year, so I've got a bit of a history. Um, but my my career has predominantly been in manufacturing, in mainly the steel, aerospace, and food manufacturing um, sectors. 
Um, trained as a mediator over 25 years ago, I've, although my career has mainly been HR, I've also spent a few years as a factory manager. So I've been on the, the other side and, and, and done it. But throughout that, I've always had a bit of a, I've always gravitated towards employee engagement, employee um, disputes and things like that, but, but with a view of, of just talking to people and, and moving things forward. Pragmatism was born um, in at the end of 2018 when I was um, made redundant from uh, having spent 10 years at Rolls-Royce. Um, and I'd always been tempted to set up on my own and do what I love. I, I believe that if you're going to set up a business, which is pretty tough, do what you love. Um, hopefully what you love is what you're fairly good at. And that's what I did. So, so we specialize in mediations and also training mediators as well. So a big part of what we do is, is training people internally to, to have conversations and not have to call in somebody like me because most of the time you don't need an external mediator. You just need the ability to have the conversations internally. I think that's great because I think this is one of the reasons why we ended up connecting and sort of finding a connection, you know, when we were sort of networking or what have you, is whilst our backgrounds might be different, I think our ethos is very, very similar. Uh, we sort of have the same sort of outlook on things and similar approaches. So hopefully this is going to be, well, I'm sure we'll have a whale of a time, but I hope this <laughs> yeah, conversation. We'll, we'll put the wheel to rise. Absolutely. <laughs> we must stick to time, Pete. We must stick to time. We'll do our very best. Okay, mate. So look, when, when I first spoke to you and you were telling me about the topic of mediation, the sort of things you do, you used a term, uh, mediation is a fork in the road to describe the situation, I guess, that arises when, I guess, you in in a in a business relationship, you get to a certain point where they feel, for whatever reason, they they can't talk anymore, or and they need some help talking. So, just explain to me what has normally happened to get to the point where you get a phone call to say, Pete, come in, we got a problem. <laughs> Well, normally, and, and, and if I pick up on the fork in the road element, mm. um, I, I, I often talk about forks in road, and it's, it's nothing more complex than there's a good road we can go down and a bad one, but there's only two roads. Over 90% of the time, people want to go down the good road, and that's where they end up um, going. So um, the, why, why do they call me in? Usually, Usually, if I take the average mediation, there's probably been – maybe six months to a couple of years or a, a few years of issues. Um, and then one party's put a grievance in against another and maybe the other parties then put a counter grievance in and they've had appeals and, and all this good stuff. They've um, somebody from HR sat in there, taken notes. They've all taken statements. Somebody's determined who's right and who's wrong or usually insufficient evidence to determine whether anybody's right or wrong. And then they all look at each other and say, so, so what now? Because the <laughs> issue still remains. Yeah. <laughs> so then they look for an external mediator. So, so most of the time when I'm involved, people have been through that whole, the three reasons I say we do mediation is time, cost and stress. And usually they've, you know, they've, they've spent that time and spent the money and um, everyone's been through a whole stressful situation and before they get to tribunal or anything like that, they think, right, let's get a mediator in. So that's that's usually where I'm involved. And I always have that fork in the road conversation about, right, 
there's an inherent trust and confidence thing here in in the workplace um, contract, the contract of employment. Do you guys want to work together or not? Because if the answer is no, then the mediation will take a very different turn because it's really about, well, who's going to leave? What's the separation, et cetera. And sometimes that does happen. But the majority of the time, it's they're in mediation because, no, we want to work this through. So we go down the good road. But I always explore the fork in the road to start with to make sure that we're we're all – I don't want to spend a whole day in a mediation and then realise that somebody just wanted to go down a different road. No, that's a really good point. I mean, naively, before we we're having this conversation, I'm thinking, well, the very fact that they've asked you to come in is is a good thing, right? Because if it wasn't a good thing – they would have done, I guess, the traditional or maybe lazy business process of just paying someone off out of a business. I don't know. Is that is that right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that happens. Um, and, and, you know, settlement agreements, as they're now called, they used to be called compromise agreements, but mm. um, now settlement agreements. You know, they, they've got a really useful place in things, and it does. It's, it's a mutual separation of the employment contract. So nobody's sacking anybody, nobody's resigning. It's a mutual agreement. But what often the opportunity that's been missed there is the root cause. So what's the issue? Yeah. And I I always say to clients, I'm more than happy if they want to call me in every couple of months when they've got a dispute and things. But if we don't address the root cause issue, then all you're doing is sticking plasters. And whilst it'll be good for my business to keep calling me in. I'm not so sure it's good for their business. No. I'm interested also to sort of hear that you say that these things could have been going on for two or th- or three years or so. So in the main, is it a series of incremental steps and neglect, if you like, in communication terms over a long period of time or one enormous kind of bust up that just is irrevocable? I mean, what's the balance of play here for you? Occasionally, I'll get something that's out of the blue and it's a one-off blow-up. For example, um, I had one where somebody had an affair with somebody's wife. So for fairly understandable reasons, they didn't get on and they fell out. So it was a, you know, it had happened within the last few weeks. That's very rare. Usually, it's, it's a culmination of days, weeks, months, years of, of relationships not being right and eventually, so so the relatively small issue that blows everything up is the straw that broke the camel's back. And yeah. but it's when when I explore things, it's been going on for a long time. Hence the internal mediation skills type of approach on training, because I talk a lot about buds and nipping them in, you know, nipping things in the bud. And it's usually it's a case of if we'd have had that conversation months or years ago, we wouldn't have put each other through the stress and strains of grievances, et cetera. I think that's a good point because I, mean, I talk quite a bit about, from a, from a leadership and management perspective, the, the duty you have your colleagues, employees, whichever relationship you, you've got with people, to, to manage them properly, to kind of praise the good stuff, to, to pick up the bad stuff. Right, but I'm I'm looking at that from a from a manager or leader to employee perspective. Mm. But in in this situation, I suspect there's bad practice on both sides. Right, there's there's leaders not doing those things and letting things go for years that end up 
you know, breeding bad behavior from an employee, which they then can't stomach anymore, but also must be the, the other way uh, around from, from the employee perspective. Is there a balance from what you see, or is there, is there, is there one bit of the relationship that's predominantly skewed the wrong way across what you see? It's, it's, it's all about perspectives, isn't it? And, yeah. you know, we all, we all know in leadership world that perspectives are reality and all, all that good stuff. And it's, it's a, it's a really easy thing to say, but it's not quite as easy to understand, which is, which is why we invest so much time in mediation. Sometimes people think, when are we going to get onto the actual issue? Because the issue itself, you know, the thing that's at the surface um, is what people are focusing on. But, but often, you know, it's really about understanding people's perspectives. I spend a lot of time in media. In fact, I have a usually at least an hour before the mediation with parties, you know, a, a day, a week, sorry, a few days or a week before. And I don't even talk about the issue because I want to know about them as people. And, 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 and it's often their perspectives or their upbringing or their belief system or their natural traits that are, that are part of the reason for the issue. So, so as regards the balance thing i've never done any analysis on whether it's usually the because if you think about mediations it's often it's two colleagues or it's a manager and an employee yeah, yeah, or, yeah. or it's a trade union and a management team whatever so so if you asked if you asked each party they would both say it's okay they might have a bit of an influence but it's 90% the other party yeah um, if I did an analysis, I, it's probably pretty even because it usually comes down to not understanding each other and not understanding each other's perspective. So perspectives is a huge part of what we do, you know, and, you know, a lot of the things like active listening that we all know and love. It's, it's so important because it is about understanding those perspectives. So that sounds like a bit of a politician's answer as regards. I've not really answered the question, but. It's really about that balance and, and and perspectives. No, not at all, mate, actually, because a lot of that, again, probably poor questioning and actually lack of understanding from my perspective. But it, it, when you talk about the parties involved, you know, in my head, there was a natural tendency to think, oh, it's leader and subordinate issues. That's that's where it all comes from. But, you know, it's it's, it's obvious when you say it, but... There are many, many different relationships that can, I guess, can get to this situation that 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 needs mediation, right? Absolutely, and uh, you know, people sometimes ask me about how big an organisation, you know, do you need to be able to bring in a mediator? And like, well, you know, the, the the good old saying is it takes two to tango. It only takes you know two people to 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 misunderstand each other, and doesn't matter whether you're you know just two people in a business together or you're a huge business like the NHS or something. It's it's all about personal relationships and and how people are connecting. So it's not always manager employee, and it's not always the manager that has an issue with the employee or the em- employee that has an issue with the manager. It's it's the detail of what the real issue is. So if I give it, you know, to give an example, mm. um, a mediation I did recently was all about race and age and sex discrimination. It was a really, really quite emotive um, mediation. And that's what it was all about. That was the surface issue. You know, the the manager was racist, sexist and ageist. And 
they could never work together again, ever, ever. You know, it was it was beyond repair from their perspective, both from a, the person who thought they were racist, sexist, and ageist, but also that's a pretty serious accusation. Absolutely. So, you know, but again, the explore the exploration of the issues, it, it, it was nothing to do with racism. That was the that was the vacuum or the assumption that was being made because of the vacuum. The issue was communication, leadership skills, you know, ability to engage, ability to have proper conversations and some processes that broke down. But because they went straight into grievance processes, nobody had a proper conversation. They just made statements against each other. And so somebody made a judgment. Once they had a proper conversation, they were all fine. The, the, The accusations of discrimination went away. Apologies came across the table. And by the way, I never ask anybody to make an apology. Mm. But often they do come voluntarily and they're the proper apologies Um, and everything was fine. They seem like good outcomes to the process, right? If someone feels compelled enough to to make an apology of of their own back in a situation. Absolutely. Yeah. And and that's why, as I say, I would never ask anybody or encourage anybody to make an apology falsely. But sometimes or very often they just come out in natural conversations you're like well that's great because you because you mean that (laughs) i think that's really uh, it's so fascinating listening to this because as somebody who has sat in their own fair share of grievance procedures i have to say for the benefit of the tape not as anyone who was accused of anything (laughs) bad right Uh, normally (laughs) it's the internal kind of judge and jury which is an awful position to be in and no one actually to your point about training no one ever trained me how to do that and your point about it's a series of statements i mean it it literally is you know i'm running around interviewing people taking statements and never the two people chat to each other with anybody else in the room you know it's and then i'm sat there going well i've got this story from one perspective i've got another story from another perspective i don't really have enough (laughs) enough to go on here to make a judgment either way you need to make a judgment it's like oh god terrible so it's, yeah, and, it's hearing it from your perspective is fascinating. Yeah, and, and you know, I always, because, I, I, again, I don't know the percentage, but it's probably 70 or 80% of mediations I do in the workplace have had a grievance involved. So I always ask to read the grievance just so I can be brought up to speed and things like that. And, mm. you know, I've been involved in my fair share of grievances as well. And, 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 you know, usually it's things like, you know, you've accused the person of this, we've interviewed all these people, there's insufficient evidence to show mm. that, that that is true, therefore it's not upheld. Or, it, you know, or, or there is a little bit, so I'm partially upheld in it, So, but I'm not really giving you what you need out of the grievance. But And, and it just leads to more and more frustration and things. And then, you know, in your position where you've been hearing them, then you, you, you don't feel great either because you've just had all that however many hours, days, whatever, of, of, of interviews and things. And you're like, well, what have I delivered there? I've just hacked somebody off even more because I've not upheld it. And I've just put somebody through the trauma of a what's almost like a police investigation and oh, taking statements and things. Absolutely. With, without all the brilliant BBC drama to back it up, just just the pain. Mm. Um, mm. And I think, I think that's true. So uh, I'll, I'll ask you, I'm probably putting you on the spot again, Pete. I mean, you talked about sticking plasters or let's take the positive piece, the full on cure. 
what are the sort of most common causes behind mediations then what are the most where's it broken down the most often so here's a potentially controversial thing <laughs> i i believe that every workplace mediation i've ever done and every workplace mediation i will ever do the root cause is leadership there you go and and some of my employment law friends they that we have a, a friendly debate because they will say well no it's not always leadership's fault it's you know we've got toxic employees and 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 my answer is well if you've not got the leadership capabilities and the support around those leaders to to actually deal with those toxic employees then it's leadership it's yeah. you know for me leadership is not just the behavior of the people in leadership roles it's the it's it's the whole it's the wider leadership aspect it's the support you give them it's the training you give them it's the coaching you give them to be able to do what is a pretty tough job sometimes to lead lead people but yeah my my i i always say the root cause of workplace mediations will always be leadership i i enjoyed managing people but i was never always brilliant at it um sure anybody who worked for me in the past will be screaming at this podcast going no you're rubbish um but i like to think i i looked after most of the guys that that work with me but it was always i always had a wry smile on my face when team members would come to me looking for the next step step up and they'd say andy i i need people management on my cv i, ne- I need people management and and i would always have a little wry smile and be like okay be careful what you wish for because it's it's not an it's not an easy it's not an easy thing and i think that people think it is just a natural progression a natural thing to do but it takes time training and effort you know and you have to and you learn because you make some terrible er- errors like in anything else but you've got to learn Absolutely. to get it right yeah and it and it's pretty much the reason why my business is called pragmatism because you know i i, I spent a few years you know pretty much practicing what I preached because I, I was a HR professional and always believed that it's, there's one thing having the theories and what the textbooks say about leading people, but it's another thing practicing what you, what you preach. Mm. And I, I fundamentally believe and always did as a HR professional that there isn't a policy or a process or a law or anything that gives you the answer. You need that level of pragmatism because no two people situations are the same. So, so it, it, it goes into that, that gr- what should be a gray area about decisions and things when you're leading people. And, and that's where a lot of people do struggle. And a lot, to be honest, a lot of HR professionals also struggle because it's not their fault, but they don't often have the experience or the insights to be able to be pragmatic. And, and therefore, the answer often is, well, if you've got an issue, you need to put a grievance in. Yeah, yeah. And it's but, the wrong answer. <laughs> and look, naturally, they're, they're batting for a particular team, probably. Yeah. Even if they're subconsciously, they're batting for a particular team. So that it's it's a difficult position, I think, to, to be in. But let, let's, let's dig into some of those causes again. So I think we've talked about communication being, you know, leadership and communication being, yep. being some, some biggies. I can also have this thing. I call it the awkward dad syndrome. You know, when you're at home, you'll know this, Pete, and it will come in later life. But when you've got kids at a party with their friends hanging around and you sort of wander in like a dad, 
trying to make conversation feeling dead awkward <laughs> right just like the full david brent experience going on and, and you end up backing out the room you think ah oh, this is i'm not i'm not connecting <laughs> i'm not oh, with yeah. them i mean that must be quite a big issue for some people to deal with in leadership sometimes that sort of lack of connect connection an element of detachment or uh, connection between them and the team do you see that often in, in in what you end up dealing with like just like polar opposites just finding it hard to communicate in that way or, or what do you see yeah completely and and you know whether it's team disputes or individual disputes it comes up a lot and and people often laugh at me when you know so somebody on the shop floor for example if i'm saying don't underestimate how scary it is for a manager to come down to your shop floor and talk to you and they laugh because they do understand how scary it is for them to come up to the boardroom or to HR or whatever. They get that, Mm. that that's scary. But why should a manager who's paid all this money and got all this experience be, be scared or reticent to come down and talk to people? So, so they'll criticize and say, you know, they never come down and talk, but they don't appreciate how it's a bit, it's a bit scary. And, and I don't, you know, I don't brand myself as a coach and, and I'm not a coach, but sometimes I do ask to get to get involved in some coaching for my sort of specific areas of, you know, employee relations and mediation and things. Mm. And, you know, I've I've had examples with managers where where I've 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 literally taken them down to their own shop floors and you know got got them a pair of safety shoes and we've walked the shop floor. And I say it doesn't matter if we get lost, but let's just, you know, we bump into people and we talk to them and we ask them about things. And suddenly the manager does start to engage once they realize, you know, they can, they've got the connectivity with the product and things. And, and, and often it's just that first, hi, my name's Pete, you know, my name's Andy. This is what we do. How's things, you know, that sort of thing. And it's, it's almost like people forget that they we're just human beings and and you know people like to be talked to but it, i do understand now it's scary especially in that it's not it's often it's it's not that the people it's the, it's the environment that they're in yeah um, and the more and the more you put it off the worse it becomes in your head to, oh, yeah. to do it but it's 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 a crazy it's a crazy thought that you mm. know there's not enough chat going on but it comes back to perspectives again like like you sort of said you know the mm. manager oh i don't want to go down into there it's like a it's like a bear pit mm. it's a bear pit on the floor they're going to eat me alive i don't know what to talk i don't i don't know what to talk to them about oh my god and vice versa oh here he comes here comes the suit what's he going i don't know i'm not going to understand him blah 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 and it's just yeah. nuts in it i mean it's just silly yeah. absolutely i i i helped one manager once where it was interesting because he he said he, everybody's too busy, aren't they, to do anything yeah. like talk to people and things like that. Yet when you do it, you realise that that's the most valuable part of your day. You've actually talked to somebody and got some insights and, you know, all this stuff. Because I'm, I'm a huge believer in insights actually change your thinking. Thinking changes your behaviour. Your behaviour is what changes your results. But it's getting those insights. And this one particular manager was far too busy to do any of this talking to people rubbish. So we looked at where where he parked his car and where his office was. Right. And he had quite a long walk around the factory. So he had to walk right around the perimeter of the factory to get to his office. And I said to him, why don't you just walk through it? 
you know, because you'll save time then. You'll save time by walking through. But what you could do is then invest that time back in, back in and say hello to a few people. And uh, so we tried it with him. And, and it, again, it was just the confidence thing mm. of, mm. of walking through that dreaded factory and the fact that he might get bombarded with people. So, he, you know, he'd, he'd rather walk around it. But when he did, he started to walk through it. And then he started to wear his polo shirt instead of his suit and tie and things because he felt it was a bit of a barrier for him. And I know he spends a lot of time now talking to people on the shop floor because it's a it's a return on investment for him. He's, you know, he's, he's that type of person. He's, he looks at it from a return on investment perspective, but he now get, gets that investing time talking to people is hugely beneficial for him in his job as well as a lot of other things. Well, absolutely. I mean, this is where we start to get into the positivity piece behind all of mm. this in that this is good for engagement. Engagement's good for productivity. Productivity is good for profitability. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a lovely, beautiful simple cycle when it when it works but I, I bet he feels more confident i bet he's got a better connection with, with his employees i bet he's getting more ideas come out of uh, of the workers to use the incorrect phrase as well i bet the whole situation for both parties is is brighter as a, as a result of doing something that simple you could never take away from him now the time he spends on the shop floor every day talking to people brilliant you, you could never it's it's his number one priority because it affects everything. Yeah. And they will feel better really? about it too, right? Mm. The, the guys mm. on the shop floor, they'll feel they'll feel like they matter <laughs> uh, yeah. more um, than yeah. just being a number, you know, which is, which is great. Well, let, let, let's keep going on the positive piece about the outcomes of, the, of this stuff. And you've talked in the past to me about stress testing and planning for the future on the back of mediations and thinking about how you can use the stuff that goes in and comes out of a mediation to kind of improve things going forward, which is your whole point about this is a, a positive catalyst for engagement. So so yeah. what are the things that stand out in that arena f- for you? It, it is back to the, what I call the lost art of conversation. Mm. So, so when you look at one specific case of a mediation, a dispute, et cetera, so you, you could just walk away from that mediation and say, great job done. But when you then think about, well, how could that have been nipped in the bud? How could you make that an opportunity for the future? So, so I'm a huge believer in, you know, you know, the whole thing about key performance indicators and, um, you know, red, amber, green and all this lot. I'm a huge believer in doing, you should do root cause analysis on reds when things go wrong, but you should do a really deep dive root cause analysis on your greens when things go really well, because I can pretty much guarantee the reason that they're going really well, it's not through luck. It'll be something to do with people and it'll be something to do with leadership and it'll be something to do with engaged workforce. Yeah. And usually those things are that people have, you know, they're working for a manager who is, who is engaging them. They're giving the discretionary effort, et cetera, because, you know, they get a lot from the working relationship, et cetera, et cetera. And, and it's, and it's, it's, I don't know. I just think it's such an important factor. So, so instead of just skipping by your greens on your KPIs, you know, the things that are really going green, ask yourself what, you know, just, I, I'm not a, 
I'm not really into complex um, processes. Five whys does it for me. Yeah. And you might need four, you might need six, but just ask him what, keep asking why, and it'll be to do with people. And, uh-huh. and, and they're often the conversations that I'll be having with, with my clients and things about, about, well, you know, and it's back to what I said, it's great for my business if you keep calling me in when you, you've got these issues, but it's then how you address those those root cause issues. So you don't get that sticking plaster. You, you do get more of a, for me, mediation is all about cultural change. And I, I guess in, from that perspective, then you really see mediation as a resolution process, not not a grievance process, right? This is about finding ways forward that can not just sort this one situation, but can offer the good path as we started the conversation with for the rest of their relationship, right? Yeah, I mean, if you go back to your example of you sitting down as a manager hearing those grievances, mm. you know, you you imagine that in a different world where your normal process is, right, there's an issue. The first step is mediation, even if it's in inverted commas, it doesn't have to have the title of um, mediation. But, but what you would do with, with as somebody with those skills is you would just sit down with two people who seem to be having a little bit of an issue and you'd talk to them and you'd explore what those issues are and you'd make sure they could understand each other's perspectives. And then you'd work with them to sort out their, a bit like coaching, mm. help them to sort out their own issues and, and, and work that through. So first of all, they probably would have only had that issue for a few days or maximum a week or two. Um, but they'd have sat down with somebody who's not necessarily a manager. You know, it's it's you could be um, a colleague or whatever, but somebody who's able to talk to people, which you clearly are somebody that, that can do that incredibly well. So you, you do that and, and they sort their issues out. And you've always got the backdrop of uh, if you can't sort your own issues out, you can raise a grievance, but you've brought the mediation aspect about, you know, months or years forward, but you've put it first. Yeah. So, so, so then it's very, very rare that anybody's going to need a, a formal grievance process. So yeah, absolutely. Issue resolution procedures, processes, rather than grievance processes. That's the, that's the negativity, isn't it? You, You know, Oh, you've got an issue. You must be aggrieved. So raise a grievance. Yeah. You've got an issue. You feel aggrieved, so let's look at resolving the issue. Yeah, the conversation is as much a process as a grievance procedure. It's just less yeah. paperwork at the end of the day. Yeah. And I, I think, sort of reading between the lines of what you're talking about, it's not burying your head in the sand. It's getting into the nitty gritty and, and embracing that negative stuff that comes out because you, you need to understand the full picture, which is why you talk to them in detail about them uh, at the start. And then sometimes to build a stronger structure, you got to break it and put it apart first before you can yep. you can build it up again and and yep. i think that's what what you're talking about and to me those are fundamental pieces of building a real real basis of trust to go forward and as i talk about a lot trust is the ultimate foundation of engagement i think you know it's if you without it you can't build anything certainly not sustainably no i mean trust is I'll never do a mediation where the word trust doesn't come up. And, and, and my, my view on trust is it's by far the biggest word in the dictionary. I, I couldn't agree with you more, my friend. We have merely scratched the surface of mediation, but it's come to the time in the show, Pete, 
where I ask you to distill all of your wisdom into just three little sticky notes that people can take away and start being more effective in this area, right? Now, clearly they can hire you or they can come to some of your training and, and sort themselves out that route. But if you were to offer up three pieces of wisdom around this whole topic of making mediations, you know, a contributor to engagement, what would the three pieces of advice you'd offer be? I suppose the first thing would be, and people who know me get sick of me hearing me say this, but <laughs> see, see formal grievances as a failure. Right. And, and, and the reason I say that is, is, for me, it's either, and most of the time, it's the failure of the organisation to sort things out informally, or occasionally it's the failure of an individual to have any sense of rationale. And, and that second part does happen sometimes. I've come across people like that, but it's incredibly rare. Mm. Most people are reasonable people. So if you can sort an issue out formally, you can sort it out informally. So see, see formal grievances as failure would be my first one. Okay, brilliant. My second one would be, do you remember the old um, BT ad? It's good to talk. <laughs> yeah. How apt. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. And, 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 and I think organizations, sometimes HR functions or whatever, or a fear of litigation, whatever it may be, stifles people's ability just to talk, just to just to talk to each other. <laughs> I, I, I often say to people, what I do is not rocket science. I just help people to talk to each other. Mm. So yeah, good to talk would be um, my, my second post-it. I think the third would be, I suppose it's in my strap line, my strap line is that um, there's always a solution with a touch of pragmatism. Nice. And, and, and it's, and it's true. You know, as long as people are willing to listen to each other and things like that, you know, people always say to me at the start of a mediation, can't see any solution to this at all. And I always say back, well, if you could, you wouldn't call me in, would you? Because <laughs> if you could see a solution, you just put, you just implement it, wouldn't you? And, but there is always a solution. If people are willing to listen to each other and work together, and it's hard, but there is always a solution. So, yeah, my, my three would be see formal grievances as a failure. It's good to talk, and there's always a solution. And that final one is such a great positive note to end on. Thank you for those. And thank you for your time, my friend. I've really enjoyed chatting with you. It's been an interesting insight for me into a world that caused me nothing but pain before, but finding the link between, you know, what you do and engagement, I think is one people should take a good look at. So thank you for coming on. Absolutely. No, uh, thank you very much for the invite. Really. It feels like we've been talking for about five minutes as it always does when I talk to you, Andy. So thank you very much for inviting me. It's been a, it's been a real pleasure. Absolute joy, my friend. Okay. Thank you very much. That was Pete Colby from pragmatism if you'd like to find out a little bit more about some of the things we've talked about and pete and his business then please check out the show notes so that concludes today's episode i hope you've enjoyed it found it interesting and heard something maybe that will help you become a stickier more successful business from the inside going forward if you have please like comment and subscribe it really helps I'm Andy Gorham, and you've been listening to the Sticky from the Inside podcast. Until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>